0: today you guys are in for a treat with carl carl's from bayside one of the biggest churches in the state of california and they're doing some cool things and they let him go for one day okay so it's super it's super awesome for us too bad for them right uh carl's a good friend so when he comes out he has a really loud shirt on i want you guys to be extra loud for him louder than his shirt okay come on come on come on My wife likes it, so I wear it. Let's go. And every man said amen. Hey, I'm so glad to be with you guys this morning. Uh, Always such a privilege just to come and hang out with you and just what God's doing in the bay in and through this church um, is just so awesome, man. We got like a Southern Baptist vibe. We got the ladies just fanning themselves. Mm, Y'all are ready for a word this morning. Let's go. Let's go. Let's pray. Jesus, I just thank you so much just for your kindness and your goodness. I pray that as we get into your word, Lord, that you would just um, prepare our hearts. God, uh, speak through me, God, that let them be yours, not mine, Father. And we pray that they would fall upon soft hearts, God. God, I pray that you would clear our hearts, minds, and souls of anything that is distracting us, weighing us down. Jesus, may we hear from you loudly this morning. We love you. We thank you in Christ's name. All God's people said, you know, have you ever uh, had a, a season in life where you just are like at wit's end, where you are just exhausted? You are just tired. And out of breath. Have you ever had a season in life that, that's like that? A couple of weeks, a couple of months, a couple of days. I find myself, there's times in my life where I'm just out of breath. And not because of my rotund figure. But I mean like, uh, you should, don't laugh, okay? I got feelings too. Uh, but I mean, where, where I'm spiritually and, and just emotionally and, and even sometimes mentally just spent. I think of a season where where this occurred to me where uh, it was Christmas a couple of years ago where my wife... Uh, around Thanksgiving's like, hey, Carl, I'm going to get these gifts for the kids. I want you to put some of them together. And because she is smarter than me and I'm afraid of her, I said, yes, dear. You know, And, and, and the weeks and the days and about a month and a half goes by and it is December 24th and I come from our last Christmas Eve service at 1130 and as I walk in the house, my wife goes, hey, don't forget to put that bicycle together. For Christmas tomorrow. And I said, yes dear, I got it. And she goes to bed and I head into the garage and I open this box up. And I pull out some directions that look a little bit like this. Now, notice my loud shirt and my tight pants. And you will deduce that I am not the most mechanically inclined person out there. So I'm staring at these blueprints and I just start letting my mind wander a little bit because I start to get a little bit overwhelmed and I start thinking to myself, okay, uh, how am I going to put this bike together? And let's say the good Lord helps me and I actually do put it together tonight. Then I got to go get a helmet. But then I don't know what kind of helmet to get for this child. But after I get a helmet, now I've got to teach her how to ride this bike. And after I teach her how to ride this bike, I'm going to have to get her another bike. That's going to cost some money. And I got to teach her how to ride that bike. And then she's going to start getting older. and Then she's going to start going to school. What kind of school am I going to I'm gonna send her to. I'm gonna send her to a private school or I'm gonna send her to a public school. Private school has great education, but public school, I want her immersed in culture, and then she's gonna grow up and she's gonna go to school. And the next thing you know, she's gonna get a boyfriend, and now I gotta get a gun. And I don't know how I feel about guns, but I gotta get one anyways. And then she's gonna graduate from high school, and then she's gonna go off to college, she's gonna go to college, she's gonna get another boyfriend pro, hopefully not the guy from high school because I didn't like him very much. And now the, her and this new boyfriend, they're gonna say they want to get married. Now I gotta pay for a wedding, and I got two daughters, so that's two weddings. on oh, my lord, where am I gonna get this money? I'm a pastor, I haven't put enough in savings, and now I got think about my dear wife how what are we going to do when we retire and the kids aren't here anymore oh lord i'm not going to put this bike together tonight and i didn't put that bike together it sat in that box for 18 months hey hey you got to do what you got to do i was out of breath i was out of breath right you got those seasons in life where you were just tired You are just tired and weary, and you're like, I cannot put another foot in front of the other. Well, friends, I want to tell you this morning, that's not the way that God designed us to live. That's not God's desire for us. That's not God's desire for his children. We sang it in that song, "Who the sun sets free is free indeed. I am a child of God, and as children of God, he desires for us to breathe. And if there's seasons in your life, if you're in the midst of that season right now, you just came out of it, you are not alone. All throughout Scripture, specifically in the New Testament, we see followers of Jesus Christ. The men who walked with Jesus for three and a half years go through these times of confusion where they're so caught up. They are so uh, future focused that they don't know how to handle the difficulties and the stress of life in the present. And in this account, this narrative that we're going to read this morning out of John chapter 21, John gives us a picture of what Jesus really wants it to look like for us. give you a little context before we get into the passage. See, Jesus has has gone to the cross and died for the sins of humanity. And Jesus has been buried and resurrects from the grave. And after three days, God resurrects Jesus from the grave. And Jesus now fully God, not just God and man, but fully God, spends about 40 days here on earth with his disciples, presenting himself to his disciples, presenting himself as fully God to, to some women and different folks that were walking with Jesus. And here, this is the third time that Jesus presents himself to the disciples. Look what it says in John chapter 21. Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to the disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Zidimus, Nathaniel from Canaan in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Friends, sometimes Jesus is right in front of us, but we're looking every way, but at the Savior, and we're asking Jesus, "Where are you?" And He's like, "I'm right here." Jesus said to them, "Children, do do you not have any fish?" They answered, "No." He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some as they cast it. And now and so they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved, therefore, said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for it was stripped for work and he threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came, came in the boat dragging the net full of fish for there were not far from the land, but were about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon, so Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come, And have breakfast with me. Now none of the disciples dared ask him. Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread. And gave it to them. And and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples. After he was raised from the dead. Three questions emerge from this passage, and I believe if we can answer these three questions, this isn't one of those messages where I give you the answers. This is one, if we can honestly, soberly answer these three questions, I believe in our seasons of difficulty, we will be able to catch our breath. And the first question is this, who do you need to spend time with? Who do you need to spend time with? I think there are some times in life where there's a lot of voices uh vying for our attention a lot of things are happening around us whether it's friends whether it's coworkers, whether it's spouses children everybody kind of vying for our attention and it's like man where do i get some time who are the people that i need to spend time with and sometimes it's even the voices in our heads in our consciousness that start to grasp our attention i i imagine it like this if they had a phone and they could call me it would look a little bit like this right like insecurity like hey What's up, Carl? Anxiety, anxiousness about paying those bills. I don't answer those calls. You just go miss call. Or maybe it's something a little bit more serious. Maybe it's a depression. Maybe it's a a brokenness. Maybe it's an envy, a jealousy, a boastfulness, a pride that's vying for our attention. And in these situations, the, the, the key is, are we going to allow these voices to be the prominent voices in our life? Are we going to allow something else to be? Look what the scripture says in verse 1 through 3. Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to the disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way, Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel from Canaan and Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we will go with you. The disciples were together. And as Peter went, they said, we will go with you. You see, the disciples didn't always get it right. In fact, after Jesus was captured, it, it was Peter who actually denied Jesus three times. And then when Jesus is, 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 is buried in the tomb, it's actually the disciples who are hiding behind closed doors, locked doors, afraid of the Roman guard coming to get them. These guys didn't always get it right, but I think there's a lesson inside of this. And really, give me your eyes, I want you to get this. You don't have to have it all figured out to walk with Jesus. You don't have to have your whole life figured out. You don't have to have you don't have to be without doubt. You don't have to be without confusion. You don't have to understand and be able to recite those 66 books in that collection. You don't have to know all that. Jesus is like, "Listen, I'm not looking I'm not looking for all that." But what does he say to the disciples? It's the disciples understood the power of with. The disciples understood the power of with. That they were better together. That they needed people around them. And though they couldn't feel or touch Jesus or experience Jesus the way they had the last three and a half years, they now had each other. And in their doubts, in their struggles, in their uncertainty, they leaned on one another. And Jesus is telling us, Scripture is telling us that we need one another. But come on, somebody, listen to me. Ready? Here's the problem with people. The problem with people are people are a problem. People are inconvenient. People get in the way. People stop me from doing what I want to do when I want to do it. And all the parents said, amen. But people aren't an inconvenience. People are an opportunity. People are a ministry. And people can't be managed the way that we want to manage people. So many of us are feeling isolated. So many of us are feeling alone. But it's because we are tethered to technology. And we think the acquaintances on Facebook and Instagram are actually the people we need to spend time with. When they're actually the people you need to cut out of your life. And you need to use that phone to call somebody. A real somebody and say, hey, I need somebody. You need a 2 a.m. friend. You know what a 2 a.m. friend is? It's that person you can call, and, and you just pick up the phone. Ladies, you just call her, and you say, girl, and she says, mm-hmm. I already know. Or fellas, you need that, you need that dude in your life. That you just sit across from him at, at the coffee shop. You just sit across from him, and y'all look at each other, and you already know. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, she said that. We need each other. We are better together, and we can't have it the way we want it. The way that we want it is we want it all to ourselves. We want it all customized in our in our Burger King, have it your way, Starbucks customized world. You know, when I go to uh, In-N-Out, I go to In-N-Out, and I order my meal like this. I look at that 17-year-old kid in the face, and I say, listen, I need a double-double with light tomatoes. What does that even mean? Light tomatoes, no lettuce, add pickles, whole grilled onions, and light sauce, and he's just looking at me. He don't even have keys for the things I'm asking him for. But listen, friends, people aren't pickles. You can't have it how you want to have it. And Jesus, like, if you just realize when you're going through those seasons of doubt, when you're going through those seasons of uncertainty, when you're going through those seasons of, I just can't catch my breath, you can't walk in that season alone. Jesus saying, come on. Look at the disciples. These guys who didn't have it all figured out. These guys who, 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 who weren't the top of their class. They're walking with each other together. And, and, and oh, you know what I love about this scripture? I didn't preach this in the other services, but this is so good. Look at this. As Simon goes, the others go, we'll go with you. You know what that? it means? There are going to be different times in life where someone else has got to lead you. And you gotta willingly follow that person. Can I get all up in your marriages for a moment? Listen, there are some times where he's gotta lead and you've gotta follow. There's sometimes that she's gotta lead and you've gotta follow. Some of you, there's sometimes your kids gotta lead and you've gotta follow in the name of Jesus, knowing that Christ is in them. So as you are following them, you are following Christ Jesus. Maybe I just got too much in your business. I'll keep going. Who are your people? Who are your people? Are you part of a small group? Are you part of a Bible study, a community of faith? It's got to be more than the hour and a half you're going to spend in this room. Because you can't take Pastor David and put him in your pocket. You need some people that you can call on. You need to understand. We need to understand the power of with. The second question is this. What is worth the risk? What is worth Risk, risk. Look what it says. They went out and got into the boat, but night, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was him. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? I love this about Jesus. Jesus is a funny dude. Jesus knows what the answer is going to be, but he wants you to say the answer out loud. To realize where you're going, what you're doing, isn't that smart? Should I be with him? And you're waiting for Jesus to answer. And you already know the answer in your head. Should I spend the money on that? You're waiting for Jesus to answer. You already know the answer in your head. Jesus says, friends, have you caught any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw the net on the... No, 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 no. You got to get it like the last servants did. Okay? He said, throw the net on the... On the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did come on listen christianity we make it too difficult we make it too difficult we're like oh Jesus, i don't know what i'm supposed to do oh Jesus, should i do this with should i do that should i do that oh god i don't know what to do i'm so out of breath because i'm going through all these things in my head listen it's very simple in the word jesus tells you to do it you do it Jesus commands us to do it. We do it. It doesn't mean you got to like it. It doesn't mean you got to agree with it. But Jesus is sovereign. So when Jesus says the right side, don't you dare throw it on the left side. Don't you dare throw it out the back side. Don't you dare throw it out. He says the right side. So many of us are in situations, are in struggles, are in seasons of unrest in our life. Because Jesus told you six months ago to throw it on the right side. And you threw it on the left side. And now you're wondering why you're sitting in that boat like that. He says, throw it on the right side, throw it on the right side. And they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Now, this isn't prosperity gospel. I'm not telling you every time you obey God, there's going to be fortunes, you know, in front of your home. But what Jesus is saying here is saying there's a blessing in our obedience. There's a blessing in our obedience. You know what that blessing is? It's called peace of mind, a peace that surpasses all understanding. When we obediently follow Christ, that's what he does. Scripture says, seek first the kingdom of God, and then all these things will be out of you. Seeking first God's kingdom means submitting oneself to the lordship of God. I'm submitting myself to God and when I submit myself to God, God brings on and adds on all the desires of my heart. But many of us don't even realize what we really desire because we're not underneath the lordship of God. You might be desiring that new car. You might be desiring that new relationship. You might be desiring that new job, but you aren't under the lordship of God. So you don't even know that that car's beat up and it's a lemon. You don't even know that job's not the place for you to be. That relationship isn't the one you want to be in. God's saying, submit yourself to me risk obeying me in the difficult times in the inconvenient times in the unconventional times and watch the blessing of peace that I bring upon you watch the blessing of peace that I bring upon you but you know why many of us are afraid to risk for Jesus because we're afraid of failure so because we're afraid of failing because I'm afraid of failing sometimes I won't even try Can I I be honest with you? What month is it? It's August. I've had a gym membership since uh, January 11th. Ask me how many times I've been to the gym. Zero. It is across the street from my house. I am convicted this morning, standing up here. Come on, but do you say God will take care of it? Come on, sister. Oh Lord, I better work my fat butt out. He can take care of nothing. But why, do, why don't why don't I why don't I go to the gym? You know why I don't go to the gym? Because I'm afraid of failing. I'm afraid that I'm gonna show up and, and and the young bucks that are on my staff are gonna be at the gym. They're gonna get there earlier than me. They're gonna be showing me up lifting all types of weights. I can't lift no weights. You know what I mean? And I'm afraid of failure. Forty-five percent of Americans make a New Year's resolution. Only 8% of them accomplish it. Because we're afraid of failing. But Jesus saying, come on, stop being afraid to fail with me. I've already conquered the grave. I've already given you the victory. Just jump in and risk and on the right side, watch what I will do. Watch what I will do when you risk and pray on the right side. Watch what I will do when you fervently seek after me and pray with an expectant heart that I'll answer you. Watch what I will do when you read my word on the right side. When you say, I'm not going to pick and choose what I want to do in this book or what I want to obey in this book. I'm going to fervently, I'm going to uh, I'm going to just choose to believe God that this word is true. Watch what I will do. Some of you seasoned veterans. Watch what happens when you disciple on the right side when you stop being a spectator when you stop being a commentator in his church and you say I'm going to take one of these young couples underneath my wing and I'm going to help them through a season of life that I already been through and I'm going to trust on the right side watch what happens when we place our trust in Jesus I remember I was in Africa about two years ago and I watched these fishermen they they would bring their boats in about a hundred yards from the shore, and then these men would rush against the tide with these buckets above their head and and the the guys on the boat would put fish into their buckets and then they would go and deliver those buckets to the fish market just past the beach and they would do this over and over and over again but There wasn't enough fish to fill every bucket, but because it was their livelihood, because they needed to make that money at the market, they would go back tired and weary and fight the waves waiting for a fish to be put in their bucket. Many of us, we're too comfortable. To risk. And we won't fight the wave of awkwardness. We won't fight the wave of insecurity. We won't fight the, 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 the wave of being unpopular. We won't fight those waves. Because we don't act like our lives really depend on it. Because we're afraid of failing. When God is saying, I am giving you a courage. Winston Churchill said it like this: He goes, Success is not. Final, failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. It's the courage to continue. Whatever season you find yourself in, will you muster up the courage to continue? Will you muster up the courage to risk for the sake of Christ Jesus, to risk for the sake of knowing him better, knowing him deeper? And hear this, my friend. Your risk may seem too small for others to notice, but that simple trust is big enough to grab God's attention. Would somebody in this place surprise God this week and risk risk something in yourself for him? Third question is this. What do you need to leave behind? What do you need to leave behind? Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. He wrapped his garment around him and jumped into the water. many of us are looking at Jesus square in the eye and Jesus is saying I am your hope I am your salvation just a little bits away it's going to cost you something to get out of your comfort zone to get off of the the, the, to get out of the boat to to do something that might seem audacious but I want you to be audacious in your faith I want you to be audacious in your giving I want you to be audacious in your relationships I want to be you to be audacious in your evangelism I want you to be audacious in your discipleship and I want you to jump out of that boat and come to me i want you to jump out of your convenience and come to me i want you to jump out of your complacency and come to me and that's what peter did and remember who peter is peter was the one always going off at the mouth about how much he trusted Jesus, how much he believed in Jesus. But when Jesus told Peter that he was going to go to the cross to die for the sins of humanity, Peter said, no, 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 why can't you stay here? When Jesus took Peter up on the mountain and Elijah was there and Moses was there and Jesus was like, I'm showing you my full glory. Peter's like, no, 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 let's build a tent and let's stay here. When the soldiers came to get Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, it's Peter that took out the sword and cut the Roman's ear off. It was Peter who stood by the fire and denied Jesus three times to a child. It was that man. It was that man who finds himself sitting in that boat with a choice to make Am I going to keep being that guy I used to be? Or am I going to be the man of God that he's called me to be? You got to understand this multiple times in scripture after Jesus calls Peter into full time ministry. After he calls him into discipleship and says, come and follow me. I'm going to make you fishers of men. Multiple times, Peter goes back to fishing. He goes back to his old life. This is the last time we see in scripture that Peter is fishing in the sea. Because he goes, this is who I am. Jesus told me who I am. He told me I'm a son of God. He told me I was a man of integrity. He told me I was a man of character. He told me my marriage is going to be all right. He told me my kid's going to come back. He told me the money's going to work out. He told me I don't have to have jealousy or lust or anger in my heart. Jesus told me who I am. So I'm going to quit letting everything else tell me who I am because Jesus has promised me. I'm a son of God, that I am a daughter of God because he is the Lord, so I'm going to get out of that boat. Friends, many of you this morning, you got to get out of that boat. You got to get out of that boat. You got to jump out of it. Listen, I can't push you out the boat. You just end up all wet. You just end up in bass. If somebody else is pushing you off the boat, husbands, she can't drag you out of the boat. You got to jump. You have to make an active decision to say, yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. I trust in you. Yes, Jesus. I believe in you. Yes, Jesus. I'm going to quit looking back so I can look forward. Yes, Jesus. I'm going to go where you called me when you call me. Because you are the Lord and i love the way that bob goff the author says this we can't change much if we don't quit much we're always seeking for things to change for things to change but we won't quit doing the things that we did to got us in that same situation and friends this morning i want to give you an encouraging word i want to give you a word of freedom you need to quit some stuff today. You need to leave some stuff behind. You need to leave some stuff in that boat. You need to leave some stuff in this room and walk out of this room this morning in freedom, in hope. With a heart full of confidence, not in yourself, but in Christ Jesus. We need to quit keeping score with each other. We need to quit keeping score. We need to quit looking at each other and judging, saying, oh, you, you, you know, me and my wife, we do this all the time. This is probably just us because y'all are too Christian. But we'll, we'll, we'll wake up and go, oh, you slept more than me last night. Anybody ever been there? Young parents, you've been there. Oh, you, you, don't, you slept so much. Oh, I was up watching you sleep. <laughs> oh, you spent all the money. It, you, you, you went out to lunch twice. I saw the bills. You went out to lunch twice. But that target red card, that comes four days later. So you got some time, right? Yeah, yeah I know about that red card. And we're keeping score. We need, to, we need to quit believing we are who we used to be. You're not an addict anymore. You're not an addict. You may still have to walk through that, but that's not your name anymore. Jesus has told you who you are. We need to quit letting other people decide who we are. You can't keep calling that young man, that grown man, your son, and quit telling him who he is. You got to let him work it out. Mom, you got to let him work it out. We got to quit everything that's not helpful. If it's not helpful, stop it. I don't have to tell you that. You know it. Me and Paula were just talking about it backstage. If you're spending more time on your phone than you are with your kids, I don't got to tell you to quit it. You know you got to quit it. If it's a drinking habit, if it's an overeating habit, if it's an anger habit, I got to just quit it because it's not helpful to me. So many of us are drinking the poison of criticism and judgment on other people that we will never talk to, that we will never encounter, and it's affecting us every time we look at them, every time we think about them. And they're just walking in their life in freedom, but I'm just angry at them all the time. You need to quit that. Walk in the freedom that Christ has given you. We need to quit sorting through our failures. Come on, somebody, listen to me. Quit sorting through your failures. If you are a found son or daughter of Jesus Christ, he says that he has separated your sins as far as the east is from the west. Jesus said there is no condemnation for those who are in him. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if God's not condemning you, why are you still condemning yourself? You gotta quit it and look forward. Many of us, myself included, are wondering when, God, is that peace gonna come? Because I feel like I've been in this season too long. I feel like I've been in this season long enough. I feel like this brokenness. I feel like this hurt. I feel like this frustration. I feel like this loneliness has just been an anchor around my neck. Understand this. The fact that the disciples were at the sea that day is because Jesus has previously told them to meet him there. They had forgotten that he had told them to meet him there. I love the way that Jonathan Martin says this. He says, Often we think that we wander into desolate places by accident when God has actively conspired to get you there to have you all to himself. You might be going through a season. You might think you're alone and God's like, nope, I did all this to have you to myself. When God had the nation of Israel wandering in the desert. Wandering in the desert for 40 years. Guess what? He had them all to himself. When God had Gideon. In the bottom of the wine press, guess what? He had him all to himself. When Joseph found himself in Potiphar's jail, guess what? He had him all to himself. When the apostles in Acts are tied up and chained together, singing praises in jail, you know what? God had him all to himself. When Paul is, is tethered, is chained to a Roman centurion, God has him all to himself. When Jesus was in the tomb, God had him all to himself. And Jesus like, I just want to be with you. God's like, I just want to be with you. I just need some time with you so I can help you get your mind right, so I can help you get some breath and breathe a peace that surpasses all understanding. But listen to this, friends. It's not going to be rose petals and lollipops on the other side. But he promises to give us something that we can't attain on our own. He promises to give us something that only comes when we're surrounded by the right people. That only comes when we're willing to risk for him and do what he commands us to do. That only comes when we're willing to leave some stuff and stuff behind. But don't miss this. This application. Don't miss this. In search of the miracle, don't miss the meal. In search of the miracle, do not miss the meal. Don't look for Jesus to do something out of this world where he wants to be present in the mundane. He wants to be present in the ordinary because Jesus is a God who takes ordinary events with ordinary people and turns them into extraordinary things to show this world his glory. What does he say to the disciples? He tells them, come And have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him. Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Not until they are rested. Not until they stop. Not until they focus. In the mundane act. do They see the Savior as himself. When Jesus formed Adam and Eve. In the garden. And he molds them. He molds Adam out of dirt. The very first th- next thing that Jesus that God does, he breathes life into him. Friends, every breath you take is a song of praise. Every breath you take is a blessing from God. Every breath you take is a reminder that he's got you. Every breath you take is a miracle. Is a miracle. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. About eight years ago. When my father passed away. One of the last thing. Memories that I have of my dad is. I was in Bahamas preaching at a crusade. Suffering for the Lord. And. Uh, some of you get that in the car. And we stayed an extra day after the crusade. And I'm walking down this pier in Nassau, Bahamas. And my mom and my dad are there with me. And my dad just looks at me and says, hey. He sees this little, like, conch fritter shack. My dad used to love conch fritters. And he says, hey, let's go in there. Let's get a bite to eat. And we sat there. Eating together. It was the last time I ever saw my dad, he passed away a couple months later. You know the thing is, I spent that time with him, and as I reflect on that time with him, I don't think about the times that I let him down. I don't think about the times that I failed. I don't think about the times that 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 I that I didn't do good enough or that I wasn't enough. I think about the moment that my dad just wanted to be with me. But he just wanted to be with me. He just wanted to have a meal with me. Friends, that's what Jesus wants. That's what our heavenly father wants. He just wants to be with you. He wants to give you your breath back in the midst of this season. And if you're in a good season, guess what? You got a rocky season coming around the corner. That's a fact, Jack. And Jesus wants to give you a breath. God wants to give you a breath in that season. Not so that you or I will get the glory, but that he will get the glory of what he's done in and through us. In search of the miracle, don't miss the meal. Do me a favor, close your eyes right where you're sitting. And this might feel odd, but I think for somebody in this space, this is going to feel so freeing. Just right where you're sitting. Just inhale a big a big gasp of air. Just inhale and exhale. Don't worry about the person next to you. Just inhale and exhale. That's a song of praise to the Savior. That's a song of praise to the Father. That's a song of surrender, saying, Jesus, the same way I trust you, God, the same way I trust you with this very next breath, I want to trust you in all areas of my life. I want to trust you in my relationships. I want to trust you in the things I'm willing to risk for you. I want to trust you in the things that I'm willing to leave behind for you. I want to trust you in the ordinary Jesus as I breathe this breath. I want to trust you to provide and give and bless me and give me a peace that surpasses all understanding. Father God, may you fill our lungs up with air and in the same way may you fill our spirits up with confidence, may you fill our minds up with hope, may you fill up our hands with service may you fill us up with joy may you fill us up with gladness Jesus may you fill us up with all of your goodness so that the world may see your glory, Jesus may you bring kind men and kind women around us to be our our guard, to be those that will walk with us and help us understand the power of together, would you help us to risk and throw our lives onto the right side as you would command us to do. Lord Jesus, would you help us to leave behind all the things that hinder us from getting closer to you? Would you help us to not miss the meal and search the miracle? Would you help us to breathe a breath of fresh air? In Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen.